Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. The sponsor of today's show is Evest, a digital brokerage firm founded with the vision of bringing trust and credibility to the world of online trading. Evest provides investors with better opportunities in the online trading industry, offering self-trade service with high level of security and secured global licenses. Evest offers 100% reliable stocks with zero commission. So when we started Dubai Works Business Podcast four years ago, the idea was to show Dubai as a business capital by interviewing the various people operating and starting their businesses here. Uh, this entrepreneur, the person we speak to today, is one of those people who Dubai is extremely attractive to. He's built uh, departments and teams and businesses in other markets, works for a global company and just wanted to be based here. Uh, so it's a super interesting conversation we talk about technologies, uh, operations, and market entry. And coincidentally, this week I had the pleasure to attend the PodFest organized by Dubai Press Office, uh, which was a collection of all the different podcasters at the ecosystem. So not just the creators, uh, the hosting companies like Podio, the uh, production companies like uh, Maya Media, uh, Finya Media, which is now South, uh, Kerning Cultures, uh, Rising Giants Network and some of the top creators as well uh, from Saudi and elsewhere and it was a real collection of uh, top talent so thank you very much to uh, Dubai Press Office for organizing that and for having healthy discussions around the industry uh, and it's you know it, it's really out of that sort of collaboration uh, with the press office and with the media office that this podcast started so I want to thank them for their support at the start okay, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. We're joined with Ola Hesselrod. He is the CEO at Uvic Mia and the VP of International Growth. They are an IT services consultancy firm. Uh, they create digital products, infrastructure, software, and innovations. Uh, so we've had similar companies on this before, so it's a good thread. We'll be hearing about the story of Uvic, how it started, uh, how it entered this region and in the market. Uh, we'll be talking about the actual industry here as well and Uvix plan for the future. Good morning or good afternoon, Ola. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. It's always, it's always hard to say good morning or afternoon when you're doing a recorded show. But for anyone listening on the podcast, we're here with Ola. Welcome to the studio. Thanks. And Ola, where are you from originally? Uh, Sweden, okay. south of Sweden. I so lived in Stockholm for like 20 years and then in Poland for five and moved here for a year ago. A year ago. Amazing. And this is a Polish company. Yeah. Yeah. So you started working with them in Poland. I was actually a customer. Uh, build, I should build up an, an, an uh, IT outsourcing department uh, for a Swedish industrial company. And they asked me, hey, you can do whatever you want. Build it up somewhere uh, in the world. 
So I shake the whole world more or less, India, etc., etc., ending up in Poland because of that they have one of the world's best education systems when it comes to engineering. And also in the EU, it was a lot of different reasons. So I was a customer. Then after five years, I started my own company and needed more resources for my clients. Mm. And then a year later, we, we decided to merge due to that I got too much business. And wow. that was still in Sweden. Wow. And when the Swedish company, the industrial, can you just describe what that was? It was a manufacturing company producing uh, stuff for, for uh, shops like Carrefour, etc. Okay. And we had factories in, in big part of the world. Uh, so we could have done this IT thing anywhere. Okay. But so it was manufacturing uh, related to IT as well? No, no, no. That uh, was a normal manufacturing. I was yeah. the, this development uh, uh, CEO, not C-level. I was on the C-level for, for, for building the IT inside the company. Okay, building IT. And uh, what sort of... So uh, manufacturing companies are a really interesting industry. Uh, where was the manufacturing done itself? Uh, Sweden, Poland, uh, UK, in Asia, I think we were in Thailand, if I remember right, and then China. And your clients were? Global. Uh, 80 countries. 80 countries, yeah. wow. So I can't really count them all, yeah. but more or less on all, all places where they had bigger shops and chains. Yeah, and your, and your background originally was? IT. IT. So, uh, and also I've been working in real estate, but mostly in IT. And what sort of IT infrastructure does a relatively global uh, manufacturing company need? Ooh, when I come to them, they, they, of course, all these kind of companies have ERP system, enterprise resource planning system, uh, but they needed to, to be much more modern. And what all companies do is that they automate more and more. So they need more and more IT to automate and be more competitive. And to really automate, then you needed the cloud because that was the only reasonable way to automate faster. So we merged to to uh, our AVS Amazon Web Services mm. to use their basic services to to scale faster. Mm. But of course, we also rebuilt the ERP and we did a lot of things. But yeah, you rebuilt it yourself. Okay. No, yeah, the ERP yeah. we didn't rebuild, but everything outside of ERP we built a lot of that mm. thing, things ourselves. Yeah. So yeah, so you had the the resources and the developers and the engineers from. Ubik, uh, yes. Yeah, from Ubik. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that brings us on to Ubik. So, uh, they were a Polish company. They were one of your, uh, you were a customer of theirs. Yeah. Uh, and when did they start? 2004. Mm. And uh, they started in, in the south of Poland. Two guys. And then after some years, they merged with a third guy. Uh, and one of the first client or the first client was actually a Swedish energy company, <laughs> 2004. Okay. Uh, and then we also got the third guy that was uh, financing. And then, as I said, the fourth guy actually uh, was a company we bought. So it's, it's four bigger owners of the company. And then, uh, so they continue to grow. It's 2010, I think there were around 400 people mm -hmm. in the company started four and then they have been growing a lot mm. during these years uh, 
So today it's around 5,000 people in the group. Huge. And it's around 40 companies. Wow. And the markets is, of course, Poland is a big market, but Scandinavia, Germany, UK, and also USA, and now here. Mm. And this is a very, uh, yeah, one of the most important markets for us to grow in now. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it, how these type of companies have, you know, grown with, say, two things, right? Like globalization, what was globalization and digital, and that their services and, you know, their core base of people and resources might be in one market, but their product and their offering and their business can be uh, scalable in many markets. Exactly. I mean, this is, it's pretty easy to scale this business as long as in our case, you speak English. Mm. <laughs> it, it's hard for us to deliver in market where, where we have, where we can't communicate. So that's probably the most important that everybody mm. working for us is more or less speaking English. And what does UVIC provide? Is it, uh, uh, resource hours to custom build things or is, are, do you have off the shelf products as well? Few off the shelf products, even if that exists. Mm. Uh, when, because you can say it's too, the company consists on what we deliver inside Poland, which is huge. Mm. And that is off, off the shelf products. It's a lot of, of things that we don't deliver outside. So I, may focusing on what we deliver outside and that's a lot of the things we do is product uh, projects and it's also outsourcing of it development yeah uh, and the project is a lot of this as building pro uh, products that is automation it could be ai it could be uh, that kind of thing and if we go into the details it could be a web shop or it could be a mobile app or it, many of the things we have done lately is mobile banking mm. which i would like to talk about more here because i see it's a stra uh, strange if i compare with europe how it works here mm. uh, but so we're building a lot of the customer interfacing stuff but also a lot of the automation that makes the, our customers more competitive Hmm. And so where do you stop and where do you start? Because obviously web development and uh, can be, you know, tech is, is sector agnostic, right? And hmm. there's so many different things, right? A startup might need an app, uh, a multinational manufacturing company might need an ERP system. Uh, someone else might need uh, a different type of a product, uh, an AI product. Where, do you have a specialty, like does the majority, 60, 70, 80% of your clients come from one area or is it now that you're that big are you full service uh development yes we can say that we're full service absolute but i would say that the majority of our customers do know what they need mm. uh, so we are not a management consulting or strategy consultant company going in and and creating uh, their need even if that happens mm. And I think that that's something we will be building up on these local markets because I can see that that must be close to the customers. Yeah. And <clears throat> so we may even buy a strategy consultant company here in Dubai to be better in that. But we that's not what we start with here. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the bulk is outsourcing of whole teams or projects to build a 
internet bank or, or build a something. That's the bulk. Then we do other things. We even have maintenance of a school here in, in, in UAE to taking care of the office environment. Mm. But that's bread and butter. Well, if we should go on the things, we really create something additional, then it's building systems that is not off the shelf. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And from you know digital products, infrastructures, the services part, do you provide managed services as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the cloud and things like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you mean with managed service taking care of the things we build? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what you do. Yeah, I would say that not doing that today <laughs> would be very strange. But, but after, so if, if you deliver a product for someone, uh, then they can continue to outsource the management of those. Yeah. yeah, and what I would say, that's the majority of the things we do is that we normally, if I should have a preferred customer, is when they tell us, hey, we have a, this product or service, can you take care of it? And we go in and trying to understand what the service is. And then we build it and maintain it. Because normally today, if you're really modern, you don't do a project. You are you buying outsourcing the service to us and then we understand the customer's need we work very tight with the with the business of the customer and they creating a backlog and we working on that backlog and because a product today is never finished mm. it just develops all the time so doing the I would say a bit old school way, then you do a project and you have an end line and then you hand it over to someone and then they take care of it. That's really not how you can do it. You should be competitive today. Mm. So, Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. Um, and what was the entry point into this market? Did you did the UVIC in Poland have a client that was here or was it more of a strategic business? Uh, Ola liked the weather and wanted to move to Dubai. <laughs> actually, actually, it was. We had some customers here. Uh, I'm not sure if I have signed with them so I can tell the name, but some big ones, but mm. small delivery. And then I was a bit fuck. It's a bad weather in 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 in, in uh, northern Europe during the winter. It must be a better place to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so I started to check where in the world do you have good weather. Uh, interesting people and and I check everywhere um, where you also can fly to to Stockholm or to Poland or to other places in Europe it was only one place left mm. Dubai mm. <laughs> where you have business where you have good weather where you have so okay and why not then build up the business in a one of the better places in the world mm, exactly. so, so it was my need for have a better place to live with fantastic products and then this fantastic market yeah and you mentioned you mentioned your vp of international growth so it is important to be in a place that has is accessible to other markets not only mia region but that you can you know you're you're close to asia relatively to europe yeah that, that sort of middle place yeah and you have some few places in the world that has accessibility and accessibility it's, it's here yeah. and then you can of course go to us and you can go to some uh, here probably singapore even if i would say that this market is probably better to stay it's yeah. better to be here in singapore if i would why would you say that and yeah. what uh, yeah, from, for us if i say it's out of a european because the most of the production we're doing is in europe 
and that's based on the schools, etc., etc. Uh, so it's but time the zone. The, it's the, sorry, the schools as in their university where you get the talent. Yeah. Okay. And that's in Poland mostly. Mm. Even if we were a bit crazy and bought a company in Ukraine now. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. But, but we 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 have uh, have good schools there, and so all the talents coming from there, more or less. And you bought a company in Ukraine, even as the current difficult yeah. situation. Yeah, some months ago. Oh wow! Because you because you see that there's good talent there. Yeah, it is good talent, and based also that they closing to EU, and I do think that things. The development, how it goes there is, so we bought it in Lviv and we think it's fairly stable actually. Really? Yeah. Was it near Kiev or? No, no, Lviv. Okay. So it's close to the Polish border, but it's, 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 and I think it will calm down even more. Mm. That's good news. That's good to hear. And it's great, you know, when it's good to hear that people, you know, business goes on and that people can have jobs and things like that. Yeah. yeah, And you believe in the talent, uh, amazing good security for that company and those people uh and so yeah so that makes sense why you want to be closer to there relatively than, than singapore but uh what's mark what was market entry like for you did you what's different here that you had to learn and then do you think dubai is different for the wider mia region as well at least in africa uh, I, th- I think in some way the the market here is different because people you have two type of people here those that stay here stays here a long time and those that stays here short term i mean the most people go coming here say that they should stay here a year or two and then some of them move away after two three four years and some of them seems to stay here long the problem i have is that when i deal with people here it, it has to go faster Whereas in Europe, I can I know customers I've got that I talked for ten years ago, and then suddenly something happens. That's not how it works here. Mm. You have to be a bit faster. You have to, yeah, hunt on in another way. I would say. Why do you think that is? I mean, this is the, what I know. The country in the whole world that has this setup of, of, of very much uh, people from all over the world coming in out. The transient nature. Yeah, it's transit or expat nature. Yeah. Everywhere else you go, you have to adjust to the local people. Maybe not in the US that much, but if you go to UK or Sweden or whatever, the, the local population is the one you have to adjust to. Mm. Here, you have to adjust to totally different things. Yeah. Lots of different factors at play. Like I often think about that because I came from a marketing services uh, point of view in, in the UK and Ireland. And even now, 10 years later, things still need to happen fast. Yeah. You know, and it's this nature. And I think personally, the, the one explanation I had for it was that in London, you've got a very sophisticated ad market. You've got a, you've got a city that's built, probably an aging city. So the energy isn't there that everything needs to be built out of the ground, right? The buildings, the new thing. So there's more understanding of expectations around lead time and time and things like that. Mm. Whereas here, uh, you know, you can get to a meeting in 20 minutes, therefore let's meet tomorrow, right? In London, no, we can meet next week. And and also uh, there's not that expectation that 
you know, if there's if we're going to launch a big event in three weeks and we've got nothing, yeah, we can still do it because it's yeah. Dubai, you know, exactly. and that that creates that sort of frantic energy that people love. Are they are they find it difficult to understand? But you you clearly sort of no, I mean it's it's, it's obvious. I, I I would say that I met more new interesting people here in like four weeks than I did in Poland in four years, <laughs> more or less. I mean, I, I go out in the elevator and start to talk to someone and hey, let's, I mean, yeah. it's like insane. Where, yeah. of course, when you go to a country where you don't speak the language even, mm. it's of course complicate things a bit. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but anywhere in the world you go, you will have the local population. They have been growing up there. They have their friends already. They have like, so sometimes I feel this is like, adults perspective of how to go to the university and live in a dormitory for a 20 years old person where everybody comes from a new place and they have to be open here you are like a bit older and still you have to be open and you have to be meeting people <laughs> yes it's very very different exactly. yeah there's that social aspect to it as well yeah yeah absolutely and you so are you the only person in this market from uvic no no uh, i have uh, we have employed two people and i have more uh, we have ads out for more people uh, where did you set up the business here uh, we have now we actually have two companies mm. one mainland and one in uh, dubai internet city but our office and the main activities in this uh, free zone in internet city and what activities did you go for is it uh, it services provider it services yeah software development it services yeah. yes amazing and the people here are more on the business development side. the one we because we succeeded what i did was of course i built up sweden mm. very successfully and we became one of the fastest growing companies in sweden tech companies and then you know that Sweden is the most tech intensive countries in in, in Europe at least yeah it does. so we became 13th fastest growing company mm. of 60,000 companies then we have continued in that way and and so we will copy the whole model how mm. we did it there mm. and do it here and of course adjust to what we have here so what we will have locally is sales marketing uh, project management and continue because that we have done in Sweden the, the more consultant part when it comes to to yeah. being closer to the customers but that may take a year or two or three. and that might be an acquisition yeah exactly yeah. but so what we're asking for now is is a junior salesperson mm. and a senior paid salesperson mm. Q1 next year and then project management will come on top of that Okay. Anyone listening who's looking for a company who's going to be be the fa 13 fastest growing company in the UAE in the uh, next we'll year. We'll see if we'll be <laughs> We aim for be the fastest. No. <laughs> be, be, beat Sweden. Yeah, amazing. So uh, what, what other sort of learnings? Because, you know, I'm just thinking about other companies who enter this market and market entry is one of the hardest things to do in business isn't it like did you have to change your pricing you know not just the currency but did you have to understand the economics here versus elsewhere we try not to compete with price mm. because if we compete with price that's a 
very slippery slope. It will. It commoditizes the everything. Yeah, yeah. and we then start to compete with, especially in a high inflation environment. That's not good because mm. that will just kill your your delivery and your business. And competing with price, especially as a when you have high inflation, how should you then survive? Mm. I mean. So uh, our competition is more uh, to compete with our values, with our, our culture, how we are, and, and every f- because we have the tagline, the good people, and that means a lot to us. It means that we are good in quality and performance, but it also means how we are as humans mm. towards our employees, but also towards our customers. Mm, nice. So I, I try actually sometimes, I have fired customers. Mm. Because they don't have the same values as us. Mm. Then our employees will not feel that this is someone they will work with, etc. So for us, it's important to have the right employees, but also have the right customers. Mm. Interesting. And, uh, you know, is this company an independent company, you know, with, with f- what, what was it? 5,000 employee, yeah. 500 employees? Yeah, it's a group. Yeah. And the group consists of, 40 companies where we own everything from 10 to 100%. Okay. <clears throat> and the whole group consists of 5,000 employees. Everything is in tech. And as I said, we buy something if we feel that we don't have the competence in an area and we need it. But it's still IT. Mm. And it's private. It's private, but actually two of the companies is listed on the stock exchange. Interesting. And total revenue, 2021, 2022? In euro or in dollar, that's the same thing today. So (laughs) so around 100 million. Amazing. And what's the margins on that in this type of industry? Uh, On uh, last line, it's around uh, 11, 12% something. It's healthy, yeah. Yeah, it's healthy, healthy. absolutely. Yeah, and it, would you would you think that you can do the same here, or do you think that the first few years will just be business development and growth? It does take a time. Absolutely, it yeah. will be business development and growth. If I if I check Sweden, for example, mm. if we wouldn't have the growth, we'll be very healthy. Mm. But we invest a lot, mm. so and it will be the same here. Yeah, you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. and although, what was your assessment of the market? from uh not an opportunity point of view but from a competitive analysis what was here and were you bringing something different to the table mm, it's a lot of things one thing is when i go out and check how things is working here out of a digital perspective i'm not impressed it's a lot of things that is like that i can see that we can do better yeah uh, usability etc etc then when i check the figures how much is done for example b2b e-commerce it's pretty low compared to other countries so so it is a lot of things that is open for do much more digitalization in and in different industries etc and other things is that the companies we compete with is much of the indians uh, and they are good many of them mm. but I believe that the culture we bring to the table may be actually a competitive advantage uh, for some of our buyers. Hmm. So that, that might be a little bit disingenuous in terms of, uh, but maybe it's from that price point point of view. Maybe other shops, as we call them, agencies, hmm. maybe they, they they kind of compete on price, which ends up not being the service level 
and that's high enough. Could, could be. Uh, of course, it's so much, many, many different factors. companies out there, and yeah. they have many of them are maybe as good as we are. Mm. But it's also a lot of need out there. Yeah, definitely. But but I when we win the contract, we 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 as we never lose a customer more or less. Mm. It's a good it's, place to be. Yeah, the first until 2017, the company didn't even have a marketing department, mm. uh, sales. We just sold. We were, those days we were around 2,000 lead without mm. even having a sales department mm. and a marketing department. Mm. How, I mean, then you do something. Mm. And that's, I think, it's about caring about the customer, really caring about the customer. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Um, yeah, and what else from a positioning you know uh in terms of competitiveness uh you know uh, are there there's web development agencies here but are there many pure it consultants and are, are there we don't we hear of the word ai a lot in the market but we don't see use cases as much and people with the competency to be able to deliver so does that give you something unique as well i would say so <clears throat> uh, we have an specialized ai company in the group that actually won from Dubai police force two years ago, I think it is, a prize for being one of the most innovative things uh, that they have seen. So we have this quite competitive AI company and they build a lot for the medical sector, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Uh, that's one thing. And then we have another one that build a lot of, of they have real stuff, not working stuff coming to, to uh, metaverse etc mm. even i will see what happened with that but at least we have it and we have it in production and it's uh, not not just talk we have it yeah so i guess that's another edge that you know you have your core uvic company but because you own pieces of 40 companies then you can offer out different things within that group exactly that's good strength yeah and and so what are the other things that you know from a landscape point of view like do you think that it's hard to make margins in this market. Do you think that uh, you know? Do, do you think that it's actually good that, that we don't have corporate tax yet and things like that? Even if it comes now, I think that actually corporate tax is not bad. Uh, as, but of course, that will be a totally another discussion discussing about <laughs> that. But but I, I believe it, it may actually make it easier to operate here out of one perspective. In what way? We'll see as a more, how to be at least a European ice perspective, a yeah. normal country. Yeah. Even if I think that it is taxes here, but it just called uh, other things. Yeah. <laughs> so you have. So what's the taxes in, in? What's the corporate tax in some of the European countries you're in? Normally, it's around twenty. But yeah. it depends. For example, Poland, it's it's nineteen, and yeah. then you have from yeah lowest Ireland I think is 12 and a half yeah <laughs> and actually you can get nine in, in Poland if you're mm. a smaller company mm. and then yeah so it's, it's from it's 20 yeah. I, I would say nine to 20 something and we're going to be nine and you think that will just help people do better due diligence and governance and things like that governance particularly yeah. I'm not sure if it will help but it UAE will it's see it out of a European perspective as a normal country. Yeah. 
and then you can discuss, think that you, Europe is a bit socialistic. <laughs> but as I said, that's a long discussion. That's another topic, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for another day. Um, so that's interesting. So basically, you know, you are optimistic about this market. And then uh, what about the region as a whole? Uh, you know, would you have other clients across uh, MIA? And, Absolutely. Yeah. We already have a discussion with some African uh, companies. For, for building apps for, for them. Mm. Uh, we'll see what that ends, but we have an offer out for one big deal in Africa. It's mm. actually 14 countries, so. Uh. Uh, so we'll see, Yeah, but I'm optimistic. And uh, what, what are the signs that are optimistic? Like we see a lot more, obviously the, the macroeconomic factors are in favor of this, particularly the Gulf region right now mm. in terms of energy prices. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just in general, uh, not necessarily inflation, but just in general, there's a lot of movement in the region uh, and the region's opening up even more for uh, cross-country business. Uh, but, uh, you know, does that, do you look at that or do you look at other trends like the investments in futuristic things like blockchain and smart technologies and things like that? I, I believe in working things. Uh, so if it's too futuristic, yeah. even if we have this metaverse company, that I would say it's a bit futuristic. But if you take 99% of what we're doing, it's working things that's creating value here and now. Mm. And then, of course, we do things that is creating value in the future because when it comes, we have to have delivery capacity. Mm. But 19 Oh, 90 plus percent is, is here and now working mm. solutions. And I think that based on how I sit here, the learnings we have from Europe in some industries is really relevant to actually just take what we have, do the same, and then it will be better. Mm, interesting. And uh, what about the startup space? Uh, are they some of your clients as well? Not that much. Mm. Uh, and especially in the maybe it's easier here but we have seen in, in, in other countries that the startup scene based on that the money have been more expensive will have a challenge mm. and uh, we at least like to pay our salaries so we need to get paid yeah <laughs> so it's if we go with a startup it must be well financed yeah yeah exactly yeah because there's less risk involved um interesting and how you know the gdp growth in in here and in saudi and also well previously in egypt is quite high compared with europe is that a factor of you think you can grow faster here absolutely of course mm. i mean i check macro factors all the time when i go somewhere mm. so when i choose this region it was macro studying factors that made me choose this yeah. Otherwise, I can move somewhere and just laying on the beach and that's it, something great. Yeah. But no, I want to build business. So. Yeah. And uh, and is there, you know, the Europe in general, and we don't often have guests on who know the European market quite well. Do you think that there's going to be challenges there? Of course. Especially with, you know, the war situation and with just the, the general nature of economies in Central Europe. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not only Europe that will have this problem. I mean, but we have the demographic problem mm. with older people, mm. and then the high taxes, and that they should be 
the old population that doesn't work must be fed, etc., etc. But China is have an even bigger demographic factor. Not to talking about Russia, it's like crazy. Um, so the whole world, more or less, mm. except North America, so have the demographic demographic problem. Mm. And of course, so that's interesting. And Europe have other they have printed too much money. They mm. have, yeah. And of course, printing money makes our the people we have employed more attractive for this region. I would think. Mm. Fascinating. So all things positive about this region. What you know from? Do you have a hard job to convince the people at UBIC the opportunities in the region? Do people really? Do they look at the Middle East and say, "Oh, that's a bit volatile or uncertain and risky"? Or I would say, at least for a year ago. Yeah, it's today. It's more stable, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so out of stable perspective, I have not a big uh, risk or problem to yeah. convince. But of course, I've still people have the idea of, of 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 this region that haven't been here. So I have to sell hard in, because normally when we start a project, we take the developers here or the people that should work in the project or yeah. they have to be here for a month or two. And almost all of them that haven't been here before doing it, they are shocked. Mm. They're like, what? Mm. We thought it was, and you know, all these kind of ideas mm. that is totally wrong. And yeah. then they, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, so that's once they understand that it's not their preconceived conceptions, but then there's also, you know, the fact that it is an emerging market, mm. uh, whereas Europe is obviously a developed market. Mm. There's that sort of, a, you know, from a business sense, you know, your partners, if they didn't trust you so well with Sweden, they might say, well, hang on, you know, and maybe they might sort of pull out quicker or not trust or not have a long-term view. 100% true. They, they, my, my, my partners, if I wouldn't have succeeded with Sweden uh, and Scandinavia now, because we have opened up in, in Finland and we'll open up in Norway as well, they wouldn't have trusted me to do this. Mm. But based, based on M, that's how business is done. It's based on trust. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so um, just one thing I forgot to ask when I was talking about the competitive space, you know, I was focusing more about the sort of IT and development point of view, but obviously uh, we talked about consulting, but there's a lot of big consultancy firms here and they work a lot with governments on smart technologies and things like that. Is that the type of business that you can compete with? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's, it's, it, because the problem that many of the big ones have is that they're delivering a fantastic strategy on a PowerPoint. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then someone else should build it. Okay, you have the strategy, it looks fantastic, but how do you build it? Okay, then you go to someone else that doesn't understand this, this thing. What we're trying to do is to create value much faster. Of course, that's a good challenging, using more agile technology. Mm. Uh, but if we can create value very fast, which we're trying to do, and I think that that's one way of succeeding, mm. is to be in between the big consulting company and the normal IT companies that yeah. are building the things, we can be somewhere where we actually create value much faster and not doing these big, bulky projects, then I think we can succeed. Yeah, because, you know, not that they do that, but, you know, there might be a lot of heavy lifting on the sort of, as you said, the PowerPoint side and the strategy, but not as much on the execution. And the exactly. Delivery. 
And we normally do execute yeah. a lot, but yeah. we have to understand needs and so on. But I would say based on all the service we have built for all of our thousand clients in, in, in Europe, and we have built one of Europe's or several of Europe's, Europe's best internet banks, for example, or mobile banks. Yeah. That has top, we have more or less changed some banks based on the user experience of the banks. Yeah. When I'm using the internet banks here, I'm not impressed. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, the user experience is pretty bad, actually. Yeah. Just the general commercial banks, the retail banking. Yeah. Yeah. I have so far not seen anyone that impressed me. Mm. And the banks that you've worked with in Europe aren't um, aren't digital native banks. They're actually legacy banks who just have a good yeah. digital offering. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, I don't know why, but it seems to be more competitive in some way where they have to create a better user experience. Mm. I don't know. I'm maybe too new to, it's maybe some regulations that makes it tough, but mm. it is seems it, that everybody is in going in the same, yeah. the, you know, are thinking the same without thinking, checking outside. Yeah. It causes a lot of frustration, I guess, among customers, but there is obviously in the banking sector, there's a lot of compliance and it, you know, yeah. it's a sector that you know well. Um, and there's a lot of global banks here as well as mm. local banks and across the region. Yeah. So but, but even the global banks, they are very local. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's the, the name have the same. But mm. it seems to be, at least of IT perspective, they're quite local. Okay. Interesting. So is that a sector that you, you have your eyes on? Have you seen some of the standalone digital offerings being set up here? Yeah, I, I have actually a friend operating in a in fintech a startup that seems to be going well for. Mm. Uh, so, but I have, to be honest, I need to study regulations more and, and the compliance and so on. That, that maybe is one reason why it is like this. So mm. I, I'm, I must say yeah. that I probably need a year or two more before I'm aware of where the challenge is. But you do see a, you do see a gap. Yeah, yeah, it's it's obviously a gap. Yeah. For me, it seems to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I was one of the jobs I had was that I was CTO for one of the banks in Sweden. Mm. So I know that sector pretty well. Yeah, uh, and and it's obvious that that something is lacking here. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, well, CTO. So you, you know a lot of the languages around things like that. What are the trends in sort of software development now that people are looking at? Is it just so vast? Oh, it's so big digitalization. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have all, all the web tree, the, the metaverse, you have a lot of, of around that. Mm. But if we go back to, to, to the big trend when it comes to digitalization, it's about creating value and value you create by more digital, more, more automation, better machine learning things that could do the automation better mm. and think for you. Mm. Uh, so, so you can, you can easily get more, uh, customer ex the customer experience become better or that you don't even have to do anything. Mm. For example, uh, I, the whole society, if you go to, for example, Sweden, and I will say that you have some other countries that's really good in this experience. You don't even have to think of it. 
mm. things that here could take three days to do because you have to go to that and you have to go around and you have to walk. That doesn't even exist. Mm. You just, things just happen without you thinking. Mm. I mean, take the thing of just getting a loan. Mm. And you should know how much do you earn and you know, what do you own, etc. The bank, you go into bank and, and well, you don't even go into bank. You go to internet bank and you okay, I need a loan and everything is there. Mm. And it's gonna, everything is connected, mm. 100% connected. Mm. They're building it here, but still you need, and everything is not connected. Mm. And everything, why should you have a loan? It's not a person. It's a uh, machine learning script that know if you are a good person that can take this loan or not. So it's totally different things. Yeah, fascinating. But so what are the other barriers of digital transformation? Like, is, is it as simple as there isn't 5G in Egypt, therefore things are going to be slower there? Digital tra- are, are, like, what are the barriers? Why aren't, why are some countries behind others in digital transformation? The, the real shift when it came to digital transformation and all this automation was the big cloud providers, mm. Amazon, later on Azure and, and Google. If you use the technology, the things that for 10, 15 years ago costed you maybe $100 million to build, it was only the biggest companies that could do that. But today, if you use what they have in the toolbox and you add up your machine learning script or something, you can build it for nothing. Mm. It's just your imagination that sets the, the, the borders for what you can do and not do, mm. or your internal politics or something like that. But but you will not succeed if you do not use the inbuilt functions that you have in these big cloud providers. Mm. That's one thing. They are the enablers for you to do the real imagining, the, the things that you can't imagine. Mm. Otherwise, it's really crazy expensive. Hmm. That's good CT advice. It's giving me ideas. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you, Ola, yeah. today. Uh, you know, so if people wanted to sort of check you out, I know you said you don't necessarily do marketing, but there is kind of sales and marketing team there. Do people just check out the website and uh, send you a brief? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't do marketing until <laughs> 2017. Now we do a lot of marketing. Do a lot of marketing. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Check the web page. We have uh, the UAE uh, web page, Ubik. Uh, yeah. A- yeah, yeah, cool. So good. It'd be good to chat again in the years down the line to see yeah. how that story has gone. But at least you're, you're here, you're in market and bringing a fresh perspective. So absolutely. Like to see. Amazing. Thanks Thank for you. chatting to us today. Thanks Thank a lot. you. Thank you. That was interesting. It's always great to chat to people optimistic about this city business-wise, and we can definitely learn a thing or two. I found the bit about banking and uh, the area that we can catch up on in, uh, in, in development and fintech and others uh, inspiring. And, uh, you know, there's always more opportunity as well uh, in the city, and I hope you did too. Thank you to our editors and producers, Shahir and Ali. Uh, uh, we are live on smashy.tv. Uh, most smart TV apps now you can find us. 
uh, Apple, Android, Sony, TCL, and a few more to come. If you are listening on the podcast, please do like, comment, subscribe, and share. Uh, every listener counts. And do let us know if you'd like to hear of any companies or any inspiring entrepreneurs that you hear of in the future that you'd like on Dubai Works. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>